All right, take your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5. Let's go back to the <clears throat> our study on the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll try to pick up one more of those tonight. And I will tell you, um, I looked up this word <clears throat> in uh, the Oxford English Dictionary, which is the dictionary of the English language, a lexicon if you like that uh, scholarly term, Galatians chapter 5, and let's just read verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, this is in contrast with the works of the Spirit. And again, uh, I don't know if we've brought this out before, but uh, we've spent quite a bit of time dealing with the idea of fruit. Fruit grows on a tree. It takes time for fruit to mature. And one thought that we need to keep in mind <clears throat> is the fruit tree does not produce fruit for its own benefit. The tree is not strengthened by producing fruit. It doesn't grow bigger by producing fruit. The fruit tree produces fruit so that there can be more trees produced. And this fruit of the Spirit is grown in our lives by the Holy Spirit of God, not for our benefit, but so that others will know that the Holy Spirit of God is living in us and that they will want that relationship with God that we share with Him. And so as we look at this idea of fruit, love, you know, love, we think, oh, that's just something that I have toward another person. No, go to God. Let Him develop His presence in your life, and you will automatically love others. This is one of the reasons why people fall in and out of love, as the case may or may not be, is because what they're doing is they're looking into their own souls for the ability to love another human being instead of allowing God's ability to love flow through them. You want a love that will last? Uh, years ago, Sarah got this, uh, uh, was a bluegrass album and it said, I want heartbreak insurance. Uh, I want the kind that has a lifetime guarantee. And, uh, of course, the, the meaning of the song is kind of funny and sweet and talking about I don't want to just uh, love this person and then get in a fight and leave them and find another person. And that's what the world does. But if we will let God grow in us, not by our effects, not by our abilities, but the Holy Spirit of God produce love in us, guess what? That's the kind of love that will last a lifetime because it doesn't come for you. It's not because of you. It's because of God. And the same thing with joy. Every time I ask the question, every time I look in the mirror and ask myself the question, could you use a little more joy? Yeah. Why don't we have it? Because we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to grow it. Sometimes. I don't know about you, but uh, 
Uh, we had those peach trees in the yard I've spoken often about over the years. And I learned one thing. It was not worth it to pick the fruit early. You had to wait until it was ripe. If you wanted the best, you had to wait until it started turning just a little pink. And when you reached up to touch it, it just felt you didn't squeeze it because you could bruise it. And then it would turn brown and get nasty. But you could feel that it had finally softened up. And that was the time to pick the fruit. And by the way, when you did pick the fruit, you didn't have to pull it off the tree. It literally would fall off in your hands when it was fully, fully ripe. And so we have love and joy. And one of the reasons we don't enjoy the joy that God wants us to is because we don't let it ripen. We're always eager to get that little bit of pleasure or that joy out of life. And, and we just grab it as quickly as we can, realize, not realizing that that fruit is not for you, our benefit. It is for the benefit of others. And then we talked about peace. You know, peace without love is slavery. There's an awful lot of that in our world today. Peace at any cost. You know, that's one of the reasons all of Eastern Europe was enslaved at the end of World War II. Was because the men who sat down at the peace table were so tired of war that they didn't realize a much bigger enemy was sitting at the peace table than Nazism had ever hoped to be. It was communism. And they signed an agreement with communism to enslave nearly half of Europe. The walls have finally come down. But let me tell you, communism is not dead. Don't ever believe anybody about that. It will not die it's as old as mankind is because man has always wanted to enslave other mankind. Peace must have love and joy or it's not a true peace. Amen? And these things are grown in the lives of those for whom the Holy Spirit is allowed to produce these things. And... Uh, I don't know that we've spent any time talking about the preparation of the ground and all of that. I want to get to gentleness here in just a minute, but long-suffering, long-suffering. You can't have that of your own accord. You've got to get that from God. It means suffering long with another person. Patience, we hate patience when we have to get it or have to expend it. But we love it when someone else expends it upon us, do we not? And so what we need to do is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to grow this in our lives. And then we come to probably the most misunderstood of all of them, gentleness. I want you to know that gentleness is not weakness. There is no weakness in God other than uh, if you go to the passage through weakness, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, we understand that, but 
It was God's strength that enabled Jesus to die on the cross. Amen? The greatest strength and love known to mankind that he laid down his life, not for his friends, but for those who were his enemies at the time. And this word, gentleness is a word that we like to use, we like to talk about it. Be gentle. My kids have, certain ones have said, Daddy, let me give you a massage. Oh, be gentle. You're not massaging, you're pinching me, it hurts. And uh, that that is in the idea of the word gentleness, but if you look up the word gentle, its primary use in English language and culture goes to the word gentleman. A person who is born of a high estate. Now, in America, we have done everything in our power as Americans and in history to erase this idea of the gentleman. Uh, Simply because the term gentleman was used in English to refer to the lord of a great estate, uh, the the man who would own property. And in the ancient days, uh, especially back in the medieval times, the gentleman would own the city. He would own the town. He would own every house in it. He owned all the property around it. He owned all the means by which uh, anything could be produced. He was literally owned this town and its people were nearly his slaves. But there were certain things expected from the gentleman or the Lord that owned this area, he had this high standing, this ownership, but his conduct was expected to be different than the common man. Uh, If you've ever seen, and I don't recommend watching movies for the sake of watching movies, but you have the English gentleman and then you have Oh, blimey, Mr. Plays, you know, the little servant person coming up and trying to help them out. And and that was fostered there. The gentleman was supposed to always speak carefully, gently, never to use profanity. The gentleman was supposed to instruct and to teach. He was supposed to do things that would make the life of those that lived at his responsibility better. Now, that was seldom ever really carried out, but the thought and the idea was there in this word, gentle or gentleman. It says one's inherited nature. That's the first definition of the word gentleness in the English language. Definition number two, the state or condition of being gentle in respect of birth or social position. Then we get to more the idea of what we are familiar with with the word, the state or condition of being gentle in temper and conduct. But then again, the rest of the definition, good breeding, courtesy, affability, kindness, mildness. The state of being gentle 
in other senses of the adjective form, freedom from harshness or violence, etc. Now, that's the Oxford English Dictionary's definition, four different definitions of the word gentleness. And so, we... Uh, I'm sorry, let me not get ahead of myself. Those that were of this highest class, their behavior was not to be just for themselves. They were never to just sit there and look down and disdain those that had not been born to the same level they were. They were supposed to use their power and their position to be kind and helpful and lift up and make life more pleasant for those that lived under their uh, dominion, actually, as they were the gentlemen of the estate or of the area. Now, that is the English definition. Now, always we have to be careful as we define words. Does it fit with what the Bible says that word means? Because there are some words... Uh, very few, by the way, but there are some words that are defined improperly in the dictionary according to the scriptures. Probably the simplest one is the word wine. Uh, you take that little word wine in English language, it means alcoholic beverage. In the Bible, it does not mean that. You have to study that out and understand. But the wine press, is there alcohol in the wine press? Absolutely not. Well, why do we call it a wine press? Because The juice of the grape comes out of it. Now, the primary thing that people make with grape juice is wine, but could it not be the old English word just meant any type of grape juice? And it did. And so we want to be careful. Does it fit? Now, uh, 2 Samuel, uh, David says this twice, actually, in 2 Samuel, Psalm 18. He says, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation and thy gentleness hath made me great. Psalm 18.35, he's actually repeating the same thing. Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Paul reinforces this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold towards you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present, with that confidence wherein I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Twice David recorded saying, Thy gentleness hath made me great. How did God's gentleness make David great? Well, our first thought is God was gentle with dealing with David and didn't just kill him when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and all of those things. But I don't believe that's what David's really referring to. David is saying, God, you're of a high estate. And what you've done is you've taken your servant of a very low estate and you have elevated him in manner, in way of life, In understanding, you have made a gentleman out of me. And because of my what you've done in my life, I am now a great king. Does that make sense? Are are we following this idea? 
You see, I really believe, and I don't have the wherewithal to study this whole thing out, but this concept of the English gentleman was built upon the ideals of the Word of God that it is the job of the man who is in charge to care for and elevate those that are under him, not to use his position to look down upon the dirty little peons and disdain them and 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 treat them as if they were not of equal value. But a real and true gentleman went among the lower classes and made them feel better and be better and live better by his work among them. Is that not what God does? And yet, how many Christians do we have to get this false idea of an estate of the highest state that God has given us and as being joint heirs with Jesus Christ, as being adopted into his family, the very family of God, and we look down our nose at those that are struggling with sin and having a difficult time instead of being gentle and reaching out and touching them and helping them move in a position, into a position of greater service for God. Are we still together on this, everybody? I mean, you've got to think about this. It doesn't just happen by accident. But there's a reason why that word gentleness is in our Bible. This first idea here, primarily dealing with the social position, the economic rank that you are, there's a different code of conduct. And that code of conduct is to reach out to others that were not born with that privilege. That's the duty of a Christian. Not in a condescending way, but in something that's born of love, joy, peace, and long-suffering. Do you see how these fit together? And so, the second idea is mildness or kindness. The Bible gives us some verses, 2 Thessalonians 2.7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Listen, mama gets a brand new baby. She's gentle with that baby. Amen? She takes care of that baby and makes sure that that baby gets what he needs. Second Timothy chapter 2, as Paul was instructing Timothy, he said, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. And he goes on, Titus, he tells Titus to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And by the way, what is meekness? Meekness is living under the authority of another. Uh, the example I love to use is, is that of a police officer. You've got big police, let's pick up on a big police officer, six foot, 220 pounds. And that police officer stands up and put his hand up and an 80,000 pound truck comes to a screeching halt. Now, does that 220-pound officer have the ability to stop an 80,000-pound truck? <laughs> no. If that truck driver decided to, he could run right over that officer and not even slow down. But he's going to stop. Why? Because that officer has authority behind him. 
That's meekness. We are to live under the authority of God. And it is God who has stepped down from heaven to reach out unto us and wants us to be gentle and kind and helpful toward other people. But the last idea of this word gentleness is one that we often, and I I will tell you personally, we just have the biggest problem with as human beings, as Christians. Gentleness, gentlemanness, gentleness, those are different words that we could use to describe this same thing is not to be something that we put on or we contrive to be. It is supposed to be something that is a very part of your existence and comprehension of life. Now that's what the fruit of the Spirit will bring. I mean, as a human being... I don't desire to be gentle at certain times. I just, I just want to get the job done. How about you? Hey, let's just get this thing straightened out. Let's do it now. Well, that's not necessarily being gentle. And by the way, there, there are times when this idea of being gentle is not just... Uh, uh, talking softly or quietly. It is the code of conduct that is a part of our life. It is reaching out to others as Christ has reached out to us. Do Do you remember where you were when Christ saved you? You are on your way to an eternal separation from God in hell forever. And yet he reached down to the pits of human degradation and he picked you up. And he said, I'm going to make a gentleman out of you or a gentlewoman out of you. I'm going to change the way that you were raised. I'm going to change your breeding and your code of conduct. I'm going to take you out of that lower class of of how people lived and just do the best they can and raise you up to that state. You know, this whole idea of being the gentleman, he was the man who had the supplies. You see, he wasn't just getting by. He had an overabundance. He was the one who was the recipient of the laborers of all those that worked before him. And he was able to manage and to keep this large estate. He was supposed to take that estate and use it to raise the level of living of all of those who would follow the conduct. Do you think a gentleman would leave a servant in his home that spoke profanely and coarsely and would not learn to address uh, the members of the household as he should? I mean, there was there was some idea of respect in things here, and we're we're you know making a, a rough comparison here, but this idea of gentleness was one that took someone who had not this idea and not this understanding of life and giving it to them. 
You know what? That's what the Lord wants us to do. Before you were saved, many of you took the name of the Lord in vain. We're totally disrespectful to God and the things of the Bible. But you get the Holy Spirit living in you a little bit, and He's going to change that, isn't He? He's going to clean up that speech. He's going to teach you how to act as a gentleman, how to carry yourself, how to walk in a way that others would recognize. And, you know, one thing about a gentleman, he could take off his expensive clothes and dress as a beggar, but he couldn't change the way he spoke and the way he treated other people, and they would all know, hey, wait a minute, this was not just a regular guy. This guy has been to school. This guy's had some education. This guy has lived. He may not be born in the highest of families, but he's lived with those people because he acts and talks differently than I do. How many of you could use a little more gentleness to live like the king? He owns us, amen. He's, he has stepped down from heaven's portals to walk among the lowliest of men. Not for his benefit, not so that he could be uh, glorified in how great he is compared to how horrible we are, but so that he could be glorified in the fact that he took us sinful human beings and raised the level of who and what we are to glorify Him. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. That's what the Pharisees said about the disciples of Christ. They didn't talk like the common rabble they used to be. Something had changed. Maybe it was a little gentleness. They didn't speak like ignorant men. They spoke like men who had learned and were educated. Who do you think did that to the disciples. Jesus did. Amen? And the Holy Spirit of God will do that to us. This idea of gentleness comes first from being born in a high position. That's why you must be born again. God has said, I want to give you my family's name. I want to make you a person of high estate. John, in the book of Revelation, as we're going through that book on Thursday nights, said, Thou hast made us, what? Kings and priests unto our God. And we get to chapter 4, where we are right now, and we have those 24 elders who sit around the throne, and they're all wearing crowns. Not the crowns of dominion, and one commentator said, but the crowns of service the crowns of reward of service from the king. That's what you and I want, is we want to be rewarded. We want to be honored for our service for the king. And by the way, how do we get honored for that service? Sunday morning sermon, just serving him day by day until he calls us home. Gentleness. You see, it has to deal with your social station, your, your way of life, but it's also 
contains because a gentleman is supposed to be kind and without malice. He doesn't have to fight his way uh, through the crowd because he owns the land on which the crowd stands. And if he's been the kind of gentleman that he should be, all of those who are in his service are willing to die for him. And their allegiance is to him. And in the olden days, the life of the Lord depended upon the allegiance of his people. And so it was in his best interest to make their life the, the nicest and, the, and elevate them as much as he possibly could. Because when time of battle or danger came, he was depending on them. And how well they were trained and how much they loved the Lord of the estate was what made things work. Now, again, this is not a perfect illustration here, but it helps us understand this principle. God doesn't want our protection. He doesn't need our allegiance. But guess what? We benefit from it now, don't we? And it is we who are elevated. And the last idea here about this word gentleness, it's not something you put on. It's not something, okay, I'm tired of being mean and ornery. I'm, I'm going to be gentle today. Good luck. Not going to happen. It's not something you try. It's something you are. And God wants to make you that way through the Holy Spirit bearing His fruit. Now, how does He bear that fruit in your life? Well, it's real easy. It's when you are actually gentle for the right reason. You behave as a child of the King. You reach out to others and help lift them up from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's when gentleness exudes from the Holy Spirit within. And that's when others are blessed. And that's the way fruit is supposed to work. And all God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as David said in the psalm, Thy gentleness hath made me great. Lord, let us strive to allow Your gentleness to make us whom you would have us to be.